<laughs> Welcome to Watch Out, where we dig through our DVD dungeon, where we scour the endless streaming landscape, all to help you find some kick-ass horror movies. Hello and welcome to Watch Out, the horror movie review podcast. Our goal is to provide you with spoiler-free reviews and recommendations for both recent films and horror classics. With me tonight, as always, from Vancouver, BC, it's Slice and Dice and Dave. Whoa, you threw a curveball there, Jay. Uh, hello, how are you? And Grave Robber Jeff. What is up? And I am Jason the Terrible, broadcasting from Ontario, Ottawa, Ontario, to be exact. And yeah, I introduced us in opposite order. Trying to keep you on your toes. So you guys are sweltering in 40 degrees Celsius heat at the moment is what I understand. Is that right? Well, what's 40 degrees Celsius and Fahrenheit there, Jay? We have a lot of American listeners. I know. I think it's over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 104 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty One, hot, isn't it? 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. I do have to say, walking out the front door, you feel like you get hit by a truck. It's pretty intense. And so, just so everyone knows the sacrifices that we go through, you'll hear in the background no air conditioning noise. Slice and Engrave Robber are taking one for the team, sweating this one out. <laughs> no, I really am. It's very hot. And my headphones are getting sweaty and smelly already. So, hey, let's, get, let's cut right to the chase here, fellas. What have you guys been up to? I, I, went, I, I watched a movie. Actually, as a matter of fact, hey... You remember me there, Jason the Terrible? We ended up watching a movie together this past week. That's that's true, and I don't know why I didn't think of that as a possible topic of conversation. Well, mainly because we'd have to explain a little bit that the three of us all got together in person last week for various reasons, and we had some serious plans to go go watch the new Quiet Place movie in the theaters. We Boy, sorted... did those get derailed. Yeah, After we, watching A Quiet Place number one. Well, that's not why I got derailed. We at least got 50% of our plan done. This this episode may have been A Quiet Place 1 and A Quiet Place 2, but instead it's just going to be A Quiet Place 1 as our main review. But before we get to that, one of the side benefits of this trip was that I got to finally see Slice and Dice and Dave's Man Cave, and I got to finally watch a 3D movie on Slice and Dice and Dave's Man Cave 3D TV. Well, what, what 3D movie did we watch, Jason the Terrible? And I'm proud to say that I've now seen in full th stereoscopic 3D, Friday the 13th, Part 3. Well, what, what did you think? Ooh. Grave Robber, did you know we did that? Is this a big surprise to you? No, I did not know. Do you feel but, left out? Eh, not really. I've seen it a million times. In 3D? But have you seen it in 3D? I can't say for sure. Well, I'm sure you will get an opportunity since you're around slicing a lot more than I am these days. But I don't know. I don't know how many more times I can watch Friday the 13th Part <laughs> 3. I think I've seen it like eight times in the past three years. But Actually, to be fair with you, I, I enjoyed it this last time that we watched it. Jay, what did, what did you think? It's, I agree. I, this is at least the third time I've seen it that I know of. The second time I watched it, which was not too long ago, I was a little less than impressed, and and this was after I got the new Blu-ray set. You know, it's this is a classic. It's one of the better ones out of the Friday the 13th series. I just found it a little bit slow and maybe not as impressive as I remembered it. But this time, and maybe it was the 3D, maybe it was that my expectations were knocked down a bit, 
but I actually got quite into it. And I thought the 3D was really well done and really adds something to it, to be honest. Well, well, I mean, to be fair, like this movie was released as a 3D movie. So when you're watching it, not in 3D, you know, a good portion of the stuff that they meant to happen isn't necessarily happening. You know what I'm saying? So when you watch it how it's meant to be, then it's, uh, you know, I think I think you get the full effect of the film. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, there are things that there are gags that they do that only work because it's a 3D effect. But you could argue that that takes you out of the film anyway, and you're just ooing and aahing over the 3D effects. It's well, like I say, whenever I watch one of these damn 3D movies downstairs in the basement, it's more of an experience than anything else. And what what would you say? Was it was it an enjoyable experience? Uh, I would say it's an enjoyable experience for sure. I'm damn jealous of your 3D television. Ha! Yes. Thank you. I finally have something up on you. Anywho, that's enough of uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. What the hell else happened the past couple weeks here? Hey, the movie theaters. <laughs> hey, so, so I was like, hey, I'm going to go and watch a, a horror movie in theaters finally. And, uh, and you know how... Do you remember how movie theaters work? How like on Friday they have a new set of movies? <laughs> it's, it's been a whole year, man. I was looking at the movies on Thursday, I think it was, planning on which movie I wanted to see on Saturday. So I was all like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm going to go and see Spiral. This is going to be sick. So Saturday comes around and, and, and Spiral wasn't in the theater anymore. It was very disappointing. So me and the family went and saw Cruella. You guys ever hear of that one? I have. Now, were you going to bring your family to Spiral? Should I not have? No, how, how was Cruella? Uh, it was it was all right. Not really a kids' movie exactly, but uh, uh, and as an adult, I enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? I do it like Emma Stone. Was it a kids' movie? Yeah, I, I mean, it would probably be, it was probably a little boring for them. They said they liked it, but I don't think they really liked it. PG thirteen. They just liked going out to a theater and watching a movie. Uh, exactly. Plus, it was air conditioned. Oh, it was worth the seventy bucks right there. Seventy bucks. <laughs> For friggin' a family to go and see a movie with a thing of popcorn and stuff. You know what, though? I don't mind because it's been a long time and I wanted to support the theater, so. Well, should we get into our mini-reviews there, fellas? What the hell's going on here? What did you guys pick? I don't even know what you guys picked this week. All right, well, uh, we'll do mine first, so here we go. Jason the Terrible's DVD Dungeon. For this episode's installment of the DVD Dungeon, I'm going to be, this is almost a request, I'm going to be talking about 2003's Beyond Reanimator. Yeah! Cool. Now, I know you guys have both seen this before, so maybe you can jump in with some sage wisdom or witty anecdotes. No, I, we probably can't, but please, please continue. Beyond Reanimator is the third and final film installment in the Reanimator franchise. Of course, Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator came before it. This one is directed and produced and written by Brian Usna, though he doesn't get a writing credit on it. Um, he also directed and produced Bride of Reanimator, and he produced the original Reanimator. So he, along with Jeffrey Combs, who is reprising his role as Herbert West, are the, are the two holdovers from all three episodes of this franchise. As we start the movie, we get to see one of Dr. Herbert West's experiments gone wrong, resulting in chaos and death, and resulting in Dr. West's arrest and subsequent removal in the back of a police car. We flash forward 13 years. He's now in prison. 
He only has access to stuff that allows him to do experiments on rats. But even so, he's been able to come up with another piece of the puzzle in his never-ending quest to try to beat death and successfully reanimate dead people and cats and rats and things like that. So it wouldn't be a reanimator film without somebody to help Dr. West along, but also to apply the emergency brake every once in a while to his crazy theories. And, and that character is no longer the Dan Kane character played by Bruce Abbott. He's not in this movie. In, instead, it's Jason Barry as Dr. Howard Phillips, who witnessed Dr. West's arrest 13 years earlier and decided he wanted to become a doctor so that he could... Well, I mean, this this is a bit weird. He decided he wanted to become a doctor so that he would never feel as helpless as he did that night when someone he knew was, was brutally murdered by a monster. He wanted to work with Dr. West to help him further his experiments. So he tracks him down in the prison, he becomes a doctor, and he arranges it so that his residency is done in the hospital in the prison. Hey, hey, let's cut to the chase. We, let's get to what the people want to hear about. Was this the movie that had the male genitalia explosion? It was indeed Beyond Reanimator. Oh boy, was it indeed Beyond Reanimator. But we'll get to that in a second. I Gross. thought so. Well, then I got to watch Bride of Reanimator again here and sort it all out in my head. What was the doctor's name again? Herbert oh, yeah. West. Yeah, Herbert West. That guy is just just a, a cool character. I know, and what's, what's really cool about this portrayal is that it's set 13 years after Bride of Reanimator. Bride of Reanimator was made in 1990. This one came out in 2003, so it's in real time. And you get to see Herbert West as a more mature and wizened, crazy old doctor. He still has that crazy streak to him, but he's, he's a little less animated about it. But he's still got the brilliant overacting that you need to have for this character. It's still the same character. It's still the, the same great performance by by Jeffrey Combs. You can tell that he knows what he's doing with this character. It's it's like a comfortable fit for him. All right, so my problem with this is that the rest of the cast is also following his overacting lead, and I think they're thinking that this is a requirement for being in this movie, is you've got to be acting 120% beyond your character, and, and that gets to be a bit much. Rounding out the cast is Simone Andreu as the warden, who ends up being the principal bad guy. Though once everything goes goes crazy in the in the last act of the movie, it really doesn't matter who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Um, and also Elsa Pataki as Laura, who plays the love interest for Dr. Howard Phillips. She's also known for the latest Fast and the Furious movies. I think at least the last three or four of them. Plays a character named Elena in those ones. And she was on Snakes on a Plane as well. But she's she's got a definite European accent. And this movie was filmed entirely in Spain. It was a U.S.-Spanish co-production. But her accent seems a little bit out of place when compared to the rest of the movie. And very much a grating character in terms of... I'm not making, I'm not making fun of her acting skills. But the interplay between herself and, and the Howard Phillips character is a little much... But what I will say is that later in the movie, some transformations that these characters go through, the, the effects are quite good and striking. So whatever you think of them in the first half, you might think differently in the second half of the movie. In a good way, hopefully. The plot is not structurally much different from the first movie. Herbert West is trying to further his experiments 
Dr. Phillips is anxious to help him out, but only to a point. He's got some moral problems with it, even though he was the guy that sought him out in the first place. And only when a tragedy occurs does Dr. Phillips step over that line and and then things really start to go downhill. There's a big prison riot. There's lots of gore and lots of violence. A little bit of CGI-enhanced gore to allow some legless torsos to navigate throughout the prison. Yeah, just a crazy, gory movie. It's very wet and drippy and slimy, and, you know, there's Yuck. there's a place for that. And lots of action in the last half. So this obviously is not as good as the first movie, but, you know, it's a fun time. It's very off the wall and just something that you're going to enjoy if you enjoyed the first movie. You know, you got to watch it at least once. As one of our listeners, Ben in Texas, mentioned on an earlier podcast... There is a scene of male genitalia mutilation, so we have to increase our counter on that. Ring the bell! And stick around, not after the end credits, but just the end credits. There's a, there's a neat little scene involving the aftermath of the male genitalia mutilation and, uh, and a rat, which is quite funny, actually. And I'll just close by saying that movie series is, is quite an entertaining series, so I was happy they made a third one. All right, so I'm going to rate Beyond Reanimator a 6 out of 10. I have a trivia question that's related to Beyond Reanimator in a very tangential way. Don't worry, you don't have to remember details. Are you ready, Grave Rubber Jeff and Slice and Dice and Dave? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Yes, so. All right, here we go. The Reanimator, the original Reanimator was based on the H.P. Lovecraft story. True. as, As I'm sure you guys are all aware. So... What does the HP in HP Lovecraft stand for? Is it A, Herbert Palance, B, Howard Phillips, C, Herschel Peters, or D, Harold Proust? Bong. Grave Robert Jeff. I guess I'll say B. B, Howard Phillips? Yes. You are correct, Grave Robert Jeff. Oh my God. So if you are listening carefully to my review, you will remember that Jason Berry plays Dr. Howard Phillips, and that is a circular reference back to H.P. Oh. Lovecraft. All right, nicely I, done, Grave Rubber. I love H.P. Lovecraft. But you didn't know his real name. I did know, but I was waiting for Jeff to buzz in. I have his friggin' uh, his huge, thick book of all his work. So you did I know that. It to That's of course a, I did. Know. All right, well. I read the introduction and everything. That tells him says the name. I don't um, know if I, I don't know if I would have remembered that even if I read the introduction. That's the kind of thing that it, you find interesting when you read it, and then it just doesn't stick well, with you. Well, to be fair, I did have to uh, wait to hear the multiple choice though. Well, thank you, Jason the Terrible, uh, Beyond Reanimator, everybody. All right, slice and dice and Dave. Slice and dice and Dave, scream and stream saga. <laughs> Yes, thanks, everybody, and welcome to this edition of The Screaming Stream Sack of Nightmares. I was on uh, the old internet, as many of us are. What the hell is wrong with society these days? Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I digress. Hey, I picked a movie, and I picked it because, mostly because of the title and the little thumbnail. (laughs) But I started going through a bunch of awesome, like the cool thing about these streaming sites is that, like, you know, you can watch the trailer, too. So I started watching a bunch of trailers, so I've got a couple that I really want to see now. But uh, 
I, I got uh, stuck on this one. And unfortunately, I said, hey, I'm going to I'm just going to quickly look on Letterbox and see kind of what what people are not saying, but if people were pro this movie or not pro this movie. And no word of a lie, the the top like four or five reviews were all four and a half or five stars out of five. So I said, well, holy shit, this is going to be a fantastic movie. So I I got my hopes up pretty, <laughs> like, I guess, I, I shouldn't say pretty high, but like, I, I was pretty interested in this movie. Because let me just, well, I guess let, let me just tell you the name of this movie, so we're not all sitting in the dark here. The this suspense is, is killing me. Yeah, no way. Everybody was all like, what the hell are you talking about here, Slicing? Well, let me tell you. This film is from 1990 with a running time of one hour and 29 minutes long. Oh, I know that one. Directed by Francis Terry. Written by Francis Terry. The Suckling. Also known as Sewage Baby. I don't know which one I would have <laughs> liked better. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, I think All I like right. the suckling better. But anywho, I was like, this. How can this be wrong? Especially how with, can this be wrong? Yes. Especially with a synopsis like this from the Internet Movie Database, a pregnant woman reluctantly goes to an illegal abortion clinic, which also doubles as a brothel, only to have her aborted, mutated fetus attack everyone at the clinic. You're telling me you're not interested in watching this movie from that synopsis, fellas? I, yeah, I don't know what I'm telling you. Yeah, well, let me tell you. Um, I'll start by saying, I watched this movie kind of in the late afternoon, so it was still bright out. I was sitting in my air-conditioned room, and hilariously enough, my wife was interested in watching the beginning of this. So me and her sat there and watched the first 30 minutes of this movie together. Now, eventually we came to realize that we probably shouldn't neglect our children like this, so... She went off. But in that time, we had actually a pretty good time watching this movie. It starts off a little little effed up. I didn't really know what the hell was going on. It was jumping all over the place. Like, were they nightmares? Was it current time? Was it past time? Come to think about it, I still don't know what the hell was going on. So it starts off, it even has like kind of the music, the music as, it, as the credits are rolling. It's kind of Halloween-esque, you know, like the piano type music, you know. And so I was like, "Ooh, this this is gonna be pretty good." And 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 going into it, I didn't realize how low of a budget film it was. I actually expected it was going to be a bit higher budget. Turns out, uh, from the IMDb, it says it was about a fifty thousand dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> so so looking at that now, I guess it wasn't so bad. Well, and and considering the suckling creature cost about, I think they said about ten thousand dollars in its own. So, and you know what? I'll tell you what. That's one thing I actually really loved about this movie is how the uh, monster looked. It was pretty fantastic. So, anywho, it kind of starts off all over the place. This dude is bringing his gal to this, you know, illegal abortion clinic. And she was, she's, she's against getting the abortion, you see. But he's all like, hey, I don't want a kid. She wanted to have the kid and put it up for adoption. But then, then well, you see what happens. They, they drug the poor gal. And they do it without her consent. What a horrible situation. And then it just gets even horribler. This is a touchy subject is what this definitely is. Yeah, it sure was. It's a this, horrible movie. This movie, <laughs> ha this movie has an agenda, it sounds like. Well, I mean, you can take it that way or not. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just lay it out on the line here. 
uh, I'm usually pretty uh, lenient when it comes to acting and stuff, but the acting in this movie was not very good. As a matter of fact, I looked into some of the actors, and I don't think they had done very much else. As a matter of fact, the director, I think this was the only movie ever directed, which is interesting. I didn't really look into him. Probably should have looked into him a little bit more. But Francis Terry there. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. I mean, um, they do perform an abortion, obviously, and and they uh, they get rid of the, the little the little guy or gal by flushing it down the toilet into the sewers. At which point, some toxic sludge drips on the poor fetus's face, and it turns into a mutant. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that was such a crazy scene. And I mean, like, the, it's funny because the first chunk of the movie, there was some pretty funny bits, like. Where there's like this, uh, you know, prostitute. He's with this, or she's with this dude, and uh, she's got whips and stuff, and and it was actually quite hilarious. So I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of a, like you know, one of those gormities, huh? Yeah. Uh, See I what like I did that. there? There you go. You're welcome. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be pretty funny, and and to be fair, for the first thirty minutes, as I was watching with the wife, we, me and her, actually enjoyed it quite significant maybe it was the the bantering back and forth between us and stuff and then she kind of effed off and said ah well you can finish this i'll go and hang out with the kids from there it kind of went down from me they, they all get kind of stuck in the house obviously or i shouldn't say obviously but they get stuck in the house and everybody goes kind of bananas and things and just the sets and the house i wasn't the biggest fan it kind of reminded me of our granny's place <laughs> So, so I was like, "Oh my God! Like, what a what an awful style house for this type particular movie." And then the the deaths they weren't necessarily too interesting or exciting, considering how cool the suckling looked. I expected there to be some pretty cool deaths, and there wasn't really any deaths. I'd say it was kind of slow in the middle, you know. And then and then near the end, just a bizarre ending. <sighs> kind of made me go, "Yeeks." <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so I'd say, like, I mean, for for what it is, it was an entertaining movie. But you, you got to know, it's a very low budget film. The acting's terrible. The monster itself is phenomenal. You know, so bad that it's good type movies. Now, unfortunately, I didn't rate it too high. I'd probably give it a big fat two out of five, or if you times that by two, a four out of ten. The audience score on. Rotten Tomatoes is only 32% positive. I would suggest if you do watch The Suckling, you watch it with somebody and realize it's just going to be one of those movies that you kind of got to take with a grain of salt. That, ladies and gentlemen, was The Suckling. All right, moving on. Let's bring in Grave Robber Jeff. Grave Robber Jeff's Fresh Dig. All right. Well, The Fresh Dig for this week is a movie from Tubi. Perhaps yeah. in other locations called Look Away. You guys are coming up with these obscure movies I've never heard of. Awesome. Well, that's what Tubi's known for. So the synopsis goes like this. A tormented teen, tired of being bullied, decides to switch places with her darker alter ego who lives in the mirror. To frightening results. Ooh. So this is starring uh, India Isley, who is apparently in one of the Underworld movies. And she stars as the teen who is getting tormented. She definitely doesn't have a very good life. 
her dad's a, a plastic surgeon who's just a terrible person. Played by Jason Isaacs. Do you guys know Jason Isaacs? Name is familiar. So he was, uh, I think, a bad guy in the Harry Potter movie. I, I actually don't remember much about Harry Potter, but apparently people really hated him in that because he was a hated character, not because he's a bad actor. But he's also the creepy doctor in The Cure for Wellness. A Cure for Wellness? I love that movie. Yeah, and he was a creepy doctor in that one, and, and he's not much better here. So the acting's pretty decent with those two, and, and they throw in Mira Sorvino as well as the mother. I don't think she's done a lot lately, but I think most people would recognize that name. So she's the mom in the house, and she's pretty depressed constantly because of something that happened, which you learn about as the movie goes along. But it's definitely not one of these in-your-face gore splatterfests. It's much more toned down and more of a drama, I guess, as it gets going. Because you learn about her life, what she's going through, and it's not a great situation. And it's very cool when she finds out that she can talk to her alter ego who lives in the mirror. So there's some cool uh, effects when, when that started going on. But there's not a lot of action until... Until they change places. So as soon as the alter ego comes out of the mirror, she's hell-bent on taking it out on everyone who's done her wrong. So I guess one of the parallels for this movie is kind of like a Carrie-type movie, of course, where someone's abused in a lot of ways, and then she gets her revenge. So I guess it's one of those revenge-type movies. Not a lot of gore. There are some deaths. There's a lot of uncomfortable moments between the daughter and the father when the alter ego comes out of the mirror. So there's some unsettling scenes for sure. There's a lot of hoots and such. I know we've got that categories for the main movie. And there's definitely more of that sort of stuff than murder and blood. Well, we can put it that way. And there is kind of a backstory going on throughout the whole thing with a bit of mystery, but not really. You can sort of figure out what's going on. But I think the acting's strong enough that I would recommend watching it at least once. But then I kind of look at it like it seems like it's targeted at teens because it's people in high school, right? Or getting bullied and that sort of thing. But the subject matter is so much not teenage type stuff. And so it's kind of a little awkward in that way. But I think the character in the movie is about 17. The actress is actually 25 in real life. I've always had like a weird feeling about those things. When, when you're watching people who are supposed to be younger, it's kind of like, Ugh, I don't know what I feel about this. So that's a why a lot of the stuff is unsettling, I think. Especially the uh, relationship with the dad and the, and the daughter. But throughout the whole thing, it's not a bad story the way they wrap it up. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's a solid drama with a little bit of horror, I guess we can say. It. We can put it that way. With some interesting effects with the alter ego. So what would you come in with a rating on this one? All right. Well, I guess I would go for maybe a six out of 10 for this one. Six out of 10 seems to be my go-to when I just feel like I'm rating a lot of movies, six out of 10, you know, that's why it's so, so nice when you, when you find a good one, you know, the old eight or nine out of 10, those are, Ooh, those are the nice ones, but that's why we keep looking guys. That's why we keep watching these. That's why when you hit one, that's really good. It, it's just satisfying because. Cause you can say just, something other than six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it just—it's you finally surprised, like, oh my god, good job! It's like, yeah, I mean, like, you live for nothing, those moments, you know. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with these ones that are a six. They're enjoyable enough, but they're just not blow you away. All right. 
You know what time it is, guys. Um, 8.49 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you. It's also time for our feature review. Ah! And now watch out for our feature presentation. All right, as we mentioned off the top of our show, and as you might have gathered from the title of this podcast, we're going to talk about A Quiet Place from 2018. Slice and Dice and Dave, how about a quick synopsis? Yeah, hey everyone. So this is the synopsis from RottenTomatoes.com of A Quiet Place. If they hear you, they hunt you. A family must live in silence to avoid mysterious creatures that hunt by sound. Knowing that even the slightest whisper or footstep can bring death, Evelyn and Lee are determined to find a way to protect their children while desperately searching for a way to fight back. Thank you, Slicen. This movie was written, directed, and stars John Krasinski. And it's based on a story by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. It's also produced by the same people that produced the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake and uh, the Purge series. So, Oh, and Michael Bay is involved as well, which, which I think caused the original writers quite a bit of nervousness at the beginning when he was attached. Uh, they were probably wondering if there were going to be a lot of slow-motion explosions. Thankfully, according to them, Michael Bay had the same vision for the movie that they had, and he had the strings that he could pull to get this movie made. Had a budget of $17 million. It was released in March of 2018 at the South by Southwest Film Festival. It was the opening movie on the, on the opening Friday of that film festival. And it was released in the USA and, and throughout the world in a wide release in April of 2018. As far as a worldwide gross in theaters, it went on to make $350 million. So this is one of those this is one of those horror in theater success stories that spawned a sequel, which is out now, or you know, is out in June of 2021, depending on when you're listening to this. Now may not be now. And yeah, I'm you know, just throwing this out there. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get a chance to see number two, but I thought it was interesting that we all watched this movie all together in the same hotel room. And I thought it interesting that there was actually some difference of opinion going on with this one. So I'm looking forward to this discussion for sure. Jeez, I just find it extremely bizarre. I Well, I tell you what, man, we've talked about the synopsis here and, uh, um, going into this movie, I, I didn't know much about it. I just knew there was a sequel. And I said, oh my god, if there's a sequel, it's got to be a good movie, right? That's how it works. <laughs> and uh, you were saying that it was a pretty good movie, weren't you, Jay? Because you, you saw it before, so you, this was the second time you watched it. Now, I, I do want to put out there that that we watched it on a, on a what, what the hell was that, an iPad or something? 
Yep. So how how large was that? It wasn't a very large screen. Well, our our damn hotel room didn't have a smart TV that we could log into anything with. And so we actually rented this on my iPad through Amazon Prime. Unfortunately, couldn't find a free streaming service to to watch it on in Canada. I mean, it's the it's the largest iPad, so it's <laughs> You know, I've never really? had a problem with it, but sharing it with three other, with two other people. Um... That's not what she said. No, no, it was a large iPad, Jace. Yes, you got that right. Now, the problem is, but we're just, I'm just putting it out there because I, um, I wasn't in the, I, I just like to give the listeners a feel of how we watch the film. So, yes, we're in a dark hotel room. Uh, all three of us kind of cuddled up in one bed. <laughs> <laughs> No, we were we were all in we were all in separate beds and seats and stuff, but but it wasn't the most comfortable thing. So well, you also got to bring up the fact that we just drove for twelve hours before we got to said hotel room. Hey, well, well, not necessarily. Come on, I think that's I think that's important because I think one of the problems was staying awake while we watched it. Well. Maybe that might have been because it was such a boring movie. So this is this um, is what I wanted. Want to, this is what I wanted to. This is what I thought would start the conversation quite well. Now, slice and dice and Dave, we we had to split it over two nights because because you just couldn't stay awake. This is partly oh. due to the drive and partly due to the fact that after a long drive, a movie that has very little sound and action in it is just asking for trouble when you're trying to keep that your was, eyes open. That was very hard. It was very hard. <laughs> like, I mean, and like I, like you were saying, obviously the movie's called A Quiet Place. I don't know what the hell I was expecting. Was I expecting bells and whistles? The goddamn first 30 minutes is very quiet. <laughs> like, it's so quiet, and I was tired, man. It was a long drive, and it was a dark room, and I was lying on a bed. So yes, I found it hard to keep my eyes open, and I just wasn't too. It didn't really, didn't really grab me by the, you know what I'm saying? The like I don't want to say cojones. What's another word? Um, I just said cojones. Didn't really grab me by the whiskers and say, hey, hey, are you watching this? Don't don't miss this part. Don't miss that part. Because it wasn't was it, I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to think of if it would be better seeing it in the theater than the way we watched it. Oh, for sure it would have because, been. Um, because the the premise of if you make a sound, you're dead, pretty much, means that there's pretty much no soundtrack because everybody's communicating with sign language and that sort of thing, right? That's true. As to not tip off the monsters. Oh, I do have to say the first time I saw the monster, I thought it was one of the bugs from Starship Troopers. So I was like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they stole that idea or not. But but in the end, I don't think it looked too similar in the end once we got a better look at it. But that was my I, first I know thought. How Ooh, a... Starship Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> I know how big of a fan of the Starship Trooper bugs you are. God, I just, yeah, that was a great movie back in the day. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about a quiet place here, fellas. Oh, yes, a quiet place. <laughs> and well, so... Well, it's interesting because in two different places I read, I can't remember if it's a review or a tagline, but basically it's saying, you know, you must watch this in a theater with, in a crowded theater with other people. And we did not do that. Oh, that's too bad. Then then maybe you're getting kind of where I'm coming from here because I'm looking at all the hoopla of this particular movie because, because I heard that it was a very well received movie. 
And I'm not one just to hate a movie because it's well-received. I'm not like that. But I'm looking at, currently, I'm looking at, uh, what the hell you call this one, Rotten Tomatoes, and 96% of the critics think it's positive. And 83% of the audience gave it a, you know, the old thumbs up. And I'm sitting here going like, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. The actually, well, let's, I'll talk about some of the good stuff. I thought the acting was phenomenal. They had some good actors. Um, I didn't think, like the general premise was good. I like the idea of not being able to, you know, make too much noise and whatnot. But I think the sub storylines, like you brought up the pregnancy business. I was just like, that is awful. <laughs> it's just awful. <laughs> well, it's awful from the perspective that how could you possibly justify doing that? Oh, I'm when, sure you when you, could, but, I mean, we're, we're only human beings, Jay. <laughs> I know, you know but, <laughs> I know, but it's it's obviously set up that we we flash forward a couple years, I think, right, from the events of the first scene in the movie. They could have waited a little longer than that, see if they could figure out how to battle these monsters before they start raising of you know adding to their family it's a decision that doesn't really make a lot of sense and yet it the whole movie seems to hang itself on that you know that's a big, a big part chunk of, of it yeah. it's a big part of the part of the story but i mean overall it's a family drama first set yeah, in the yeah. set in the world of a of an alien horror invasion so you know, even without the pregnancy, there's a lot of undertones of how this family is dealing with the tragedy of the of the first scene and how that's changed them and how it's changed their outlook going forward. It raises some good questions. Well, I'll tell you what, though, man. If you, if you cut that pregnancy stuff out of this movie, I think I would have liked it a lot better. I'll just say that right now. That one. Like, there's certain things in movies that just make you go, like, you're just throwing it in there. I, I just felt like it was kind of a... A goofy way of like trying to add some interest to the movie. I don't know. Don't ask me how I would have done it differently because I I am not a you know film writer, but I wouldn't have chosen that way of doing it. That's for sure. It's a little too obvious in terms of adding tension, is what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like that choice, and un like you were saying, unfortunately, it's a huge choice, right? Or it's like a huge uh, part of the movie. Did did that bug you too, Grave Robber? Well, it bugged me a bit in the way, well, how much can we say? The Just actual birth part was a bit out there. I didn't mind that she was actually pregnant because you got to carry on the species, you know? Yeah. But, but the right. sequence when she went into labor was kind of ridiculous. You've got a bunch of things adding up to make it even that much harder. There's a unfortunate nail on the stairs and <laughs> and and things like that. I don't think I've ever personally witnessed a, a childbirth that happens as quickly as the one that happens in this movie. And seemingly as quietly. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think they established how they were able to make that happen and and mm. suitably mm -hmm. suitably pretty, pretty camouflage it. Pretty convenient, if you ask me. I think the whole point was that they had a plan in place and it's just how yeah, effective no, were no. they in executing that plan on time and they're out doing other things and so they don't know who's in trouble at any one particular time so no i do appreciate that they had like a plan in place for the whole birth and stuff but like i say just the idea of it for me wasn't very good you know one thing that made me laugh i think you brought this up jeff <laughs> while we were watching this one of the newspapers said 
it's sound or whatever because I guess it was back in the day when they didn't know what the hell was killing uh, why they were killing everybody and so I guess they eventually figured out hey it's sound well it it it, uh, it makes sound making newspapers I think <laughs> so, like, the, the amount of people that probably got murdered as it uh, printed those newspapers and then got out to everybody because you know movies right like this this one has a big time backstory but you don't see any of it so what do you guys think about movies that kind of start after a major event so you don't really get to see the origin story kind of bugs me a bit yeah that's a good question there grave robber jeff i think i'm more on your side of it bugging me more i can see like i mean to be fair what like if you wanted to make this movie it would have to be an extra hour long if you wanted to explain everything that happened up until that point but yeah, it, it is kind of like a little annoying on my, my perspective. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic movie, right? It's not uncommon to have the, these kind of movies start that way. But I think no, what course, I think the frustration you're feeling is that is a, it's a good thing. It's that you actually want to see what happened, right? They don't have to tell you those details, but they've set up this world so effectively that, that you want to know. It's, it's crying out for a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> you may not agree there, Slayson, but no, I like like don't get me wrong, um all in all like it was okay and I'm glad I watched it, but um I'm I'm not one to give it too much hoopla, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, well let, let's back up a little bit here. We'll talk about the cast. So, as mentioned, John Krasinski stars as Lee, the father. He's, he's probably best known for his work on NBC's The Office, where he played Jim Halpert. This is his directorial debut, amazingly enough. And I wonder how often this happens. Uh, you're directing your first movie, and you get to direct not only yourself, but also your real-life wife as your wife. Emily Blunt plays Evelyn, Lee's wife. Just quickly looking at her filmography the two that jumped out for me were looper and edge of tomorrow two movies two sci-fi movies that i really liked and she for this movie she actually won the screen actors guild award for supporting actress yeah no well that's the thing man like i mean you can't uh, you can't knock the film on the acting credentials or even the directing credentials i thought like did he had he done very much um directing prior did you say it was his first film or First feature film, yes. Oh, good. Well, I'll be damned. Well, I, watching it, I wouldn't have been like, hey, this is horribly directed. <laughs> that, that wasn't my issue. I, I just wasn't too uh, thrilled on the writing. So the directing, the acting was great. The sound was great. Super quiet. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? There were, there were some interesting things that they did with the sound. So Millicent Simmons plays Reagan, Lee and Evelyn's daughter. She, in the movie, is deaf, and she also, in real life, is deaf. The scenes where we, where we observe the world from her perspective, they, they took all sound out of that, so that we're, we're inside her head and we hear absolute silence. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yes. what, they, what they did with the rest of the movie, I think they kind of played with the idea of, of making it almost as silent as they could, but... There is there is background music in there because I think they realized that the audience would just like go batshit crazy if they had to listen to an absolutely silent movie for an hour and a half. Would have been an interesting choice, that's for sure. And Millicent Simmons, 
actually helped the rest of the cast learn American Sign Language, though they had a they had an ASL tutor on set at all times as well. But but Millicent, because she knew it, um, could help out, and she actually contributed to the to the script in certain places. And unfortunately, due to spoilers, I can't I can't tell you exactly what. But an exchange between Reagan and her father, she added something to that 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 was quite good. And then finally, Noah Jupe stars as young Marcus, the the youngest son, who was actually in an episode of Penny Dreadful in 2015. I watched the first season of that and thought it was quite good. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. No, I'd like to. Yeah, that's a that's a conversation for another time, but I I enjoyed that for sure. In terms of the crew, the 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 last point I'll make here is that the cinematographer is Charlotte Bruce Christensen. So it was a female cinematographer. She also did The Girl on the Train in 2016, which looks pretty cool, among other things. And the effects for the creatures were primarily handled by Industrial Light and Magic. You know, I think this was the effect of having Michael Bay on board. He had a bunch of guys that worked on the Transformers movies come on over and help him with the Starship Trooper bug creatures. I think one thing that bugged me a little bit was they were always shushing each other. But I think by that point, they'd know that they have to be quiet, right? (laughs) They wouldn't have to be reminded all the time. Like, why do you have to be shushing when they know that they have to be quiet? That's a good point there, uh, Grave Robber. Just just a minor fact there. So Grave Robber, you know, I I think I get a sense of which way Slicen's leaning on this, but did you enjoy this movie? Yeah, I think I, I like the premise enough that it was an enjoyable movie for me. I like how they set the rules and they pretty much followed them. It's definitely suspenseful in that way. But the lack of the backstory, I don't know what they could have done there. Maybe like even just like 10, 15 minutes. I think the running time was like 90 minutes, right? Yep. So I felt a little empty at the start. I guess it didn't build enough for me to fully appreciate it from the start. Yeah, the very beginning does start off quite slow for the first few minutes, followed by something quite shocking and then goes back to being quite slow. So there's a lot of character development here. The acting, I think we've said this already, is is very good. And I think that comes from that. It, it's a conscious choice on the filmmaker's part to, rather than focus on trying to scare the audience, what they're trying to do is make the audience identify with and enjoy these characters, this family, so that when scary things start happening, you're organically scared about it. You have to invest the time to do that, and you have to show them in this quiet place. Haha. <laughs> um, hey, hey, that's the name of the movie. Living their lives the way they have to live it now, and it's by definition this is a very you know you're not able to do much if you can't make much noise, right? Now, surprisingly, they're able to do quite a lot, and it's it's cool to see how how they set things up that allow them to keep living. But as far as an enjoyable movie. I can see how some people may not be fully on board with that. What did this movie remind you of, guys? Anything come to mind? It's funny because you know you gotta be you can't make a noise in this one, right? Have you guys seen that movie from Netflix recently about the one where you can't look anywhere else? You get you know offed. Uh, Bird Box with Sandra Bullock. That's kind of similar, isn't it? You guys I see that one? I haven't seen that one, but yeah. There you go. I, I don't know. Kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I didn't mind Bird Box. Maybe that one scene from the birds, you know, the old-fashioned birds, trying to sneak around while the birds are watching it. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, to me, the ones that came to mind right away were uh, Signs and uh, War of the Worlds, right? Like both. Oh, I can see War of the Worlds, yeah. I mean, I think Signs really reminded me of War of the Worlds, and I really liked Signs. Like, it was also very character-driven, not a lot of action, but you've got the tension building through the whole thing, right? You know these things are happening out there, but but until it gets to gets to the farmhouse, you're not seeing much. You see more in a quiet place, but it's got the same feeling for me. It's set on a farm. It's very isolated. You're, you're getting information from the outside world about these things. Well, there you go, fellas. Is there anything we're missing out on why somebody might be interested in watching this if they haven't seen it already? Well, we can get into our individual ratings here and we might come up with something. Well, let's start with the let's start with the gore factor here. Yes, yeah, so let's let's do that. I I'm going to say there wasn't very much gore, was there? I mean, so, this is a this is a PG-13 movie. Oh, that's a good point. Yes. So, was there like was there I mean, there was some deaths and stuff, but I don't think they were very uh I'd say maybe a two and a half cuz I mean, I guess there was nails sticking out of floors and things. That was kind of gross. The attacks that these monsters, these monsters are fast, so the attacks that happen, they don't leave much in their in their wake, so there's not a lot of gore to be had. I mean, I, I guess there was one corpse that we get to see. Gross. It's a very PG-13 corpse. It's not one for the gore hounds, let's put it that way. Well, what do you think about the scary factor? Was anybody scared by this movie? Yeah, well, it's definitely filled with suspense and that type of stuff. Yeah, you're, it's more suspenseful than scary, right? Being afraid of making a sound throughout the entire movie. You get kind of tired of that feeling. You know, you're worn out by the end of it, I think. So it's less about scary and it's more about an endurance test. Well, just, just imagine how they feel, pal. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I wonder if watching the theater would be a bit better, too, because you'd get the major contrast between the silence and the action. Yeah. And so, like, or the like sound, a really good like set of headphones or something, right? Well, you have the sound at like a ten out of ten during an attack, and most of the time it's zero out of ten. <laughs> the rest of it, right? So that would be quite a contrast to experience in the theater. I really wish I'd seen it in the theater now. Yeah, son of a bitch. And then we were going to go and see the second one in the theater. Ah, oh, unbelievable. All right, what's our next review category? Disturbo meter. There's a few disturbing things in here, eh, Grey Rubber? Did we actually give numbers to the other things? No, no we just talked about them. Oh, is that what we're going to do from now on? Just talk well, about them? Well, this one doesn't have much of anything, so... Well, yeah, the gore was mild. The uh, the scary was moderate. How's the I'd say moderate. I'd say it was pretty low. It was just it was suspenseful, though. It was mildly moderate. So what's the that suspense is. scale now? No, never mind. <laughs> you know what I find funny? Looking at the list of all the nominations and and wins that this movie made, how many of them are for like best original score and for best sound design? It's like there's no sound in it. <laughs> well, that's that's part of it. I'm just making that generalization to be funny, but you know, it's a kind of ironic when you think about it. I guess so. All right, Disturbo Meter Grave Robber. Yeah, well, I suppose the opening sequence is is. It's not pleasant, if, if you follow me. I follow uh, you. But that's a fairly disturbing opening sequence, I would say. 
Well, I'm sure if mildly you, moderate. I'm sure if you were pregnant and watching this, you might be a little more disturbed, potentially. But uh, but we're not. No, not that we know of. At least I hope we're not. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> if you don't like seeing kids get in trouble, you shouldn't watch. Whoa, whoa, pal. But I mean, yeah, kids are in peril throughout this movie. So our survival as a species, right? Which, which brings us to the hoots and such category. Well, obviously this woman's pregnant, so you know there was some hardcore hoots and such happening. There was no hoots and such in this movie. It's a PG-13 movie. You can bring your kids to it. Well, I wouldn't recommend bringing the kids to it. <laughs> well, it's only P- Do you know what's insane? We, I was just talking about I brought my kids to Cruella today, which was PG-13. My kids are five and seven. And... This was goddamn PG-13. No way in hell I'd bring my kids to this. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy here in the rating systems, if you ask me. Well, imagine going back a few decades and being in a world with no PG-13. A world where Poltergeist and Jaws were rated PG. As they should be. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, no, my daughter just turned 13. Didn't you just say that she watched Us the other day? Yeah, so I'm, I've reached the milestone where my my daughter has actually watched a horror movie that I have not watched yet. I was going to say, that's a pretty, a fairly intense horror movie. Yeah. You call that parenting? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, where, where were we? We were hoots and such. And we gave I, it a 10 out of 10. I think we, I think we passed <laughs> that one. Okay, where the hell were we? So are we on to our final ratings, gentlemen? I, I sure hope so, fellas. Jeff, let's start with you. Grave robber. Final ratings. Well, I do give it high marks for the story, and and uh, there's some suspenseful stuff. The acting was decent. I'm coming in on a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10 by Grave Robber. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go here next there, Jason the Terrible. It's not, in my opinion, it's not a terrible movie, but I just it just didn't really tickle my fancy. It didn't hit for me, as they say. I thought the general idea was a good idea, the acting was a good idea, the cinematography, everything. Everything about it was good, but for some reason I didn't really care for it. So I gotta give it, I gotta give it a four and a half out of ten, fellas. I know I'm in the minority. I know I'm in the minority in this world, but uh, maybe I'll have to rewatch it at some point in life. You said that the Rotten Tomatoes audience score was 83% positive, so you're in the 17% that's not positive. Woohoo! We're going to Disneyland. This is so far our biggest spread in terms of opinion and ratings on a movie on this podcast. You know, I was expecting a bit more of a controversial screaming match here, especially, you know, you're going down a list of all the things that the movie does right, and somehow, I mean, I totally get it, that it just doesn't add up to what you wanted it to add up to. Yeah, well, well, let me explain one other thing. I didn't realize that it was aliens or something, right? I didn't actually even know anything about it. So I thought a quiet place, and I just thought it was going to be a lot more interesting. Not to rag or beat a dead horse, but I was expecting something different. Okay. that makes sense. (laughs) No, that's interesting. I'm having a hard time with these ratings. Because yeah, explain, like, Grave Robert Jeff. Like a six and a seven. Like I rated my fresh dig a six, and this one is seven. And there should be a much bigger spread than that. <laughs> well, well, is there though? So I'm like, 
So I should, I think I have to modify my rating for my fresh dick. One of the hardest things to do with ratings is keep them consistent from movie to movie. Well, I mean, to be fair, like, one of the reasons we don't have low ratings on some of these movies is because we're trying not to pick terrible movies. We're trying to pick movies that that are interesting. And that's so fine. It's, it's not. it's not too often we're going to have a really low rating, I don't think. But, I mean, someone could come along here to this episode and say, okay, I love A Quiet Place. This is why I want to listen to this podcast. And wait a minute. Slice and Dice and Dave thinks that Sewer Baby is much better than Quiet Place based <laughs> well, on his ratings. First off, if you take a look at my ratings, Sewer Baby got a 4 out of 10, and I gave A Quiet Place 4.5 out of 10. Okay, you're right. I'm completely wrong. However, the point stands... <laughs> Oh my god, A Quiet Place is only half a point better than Sewer Baby? So, <laughs> yes. That, that... <laughs> yes, it is only half a point better. Do you have an issue with that? <laughs> well, I guess I haven't seen Sewer Baby, so... I, I stand by my ratings, Or the, or the Suckler. Much. Whoa, The Suckler? Gross. Isn't that, isn't that what it was called? No, The Suckling. Oh. Jesus Christ, man, get this, get it straight. It's close enough, jeez. Um, did we get your rating, Jason the Terrible? No, well, we're completely inflating the importance of ratings before we get yep. to my rating. Okay, well, let's see what you rated this one. Keep in mind, I rated the suckling 4 out of 10. <laughs> yes, well, that's not going to have much of an impact. I w this was the second time I've seen this movie. I will say that the first time I saw this movie, I would, I would give it a 9 out of 10 the first time I watched this movie. Holy moly. You know, my enthusiasm for it was genuine when I was telling you guys we should watch this. It's not every movie that I would fork over $4 on Amazon Prime to rent it. It's $4, um, for God's sakes. Or four ninety nine, I think, even. You guys owe me some of that, by the way. Never you mind. You can find friggin' enough bottles outside that you can rent a movie, <laughs> for Christ's sakes. Don't outside or, like, under my bed. But anyway. Weird. 9 out of 10 the first time I watched it. I think watching it the second time, I, the whole expectations thing, they, it was much higher. It, it may not have held up as well the second time. And then I had you sitting there off to the side. <laughs> if you weren't falling asleep, you were like, oh, what the hell is this, you know? <laughs> so maybe that started rubbing off on me a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to drop the rating from a nine to an eight and a half, but... But that's wow. uh, I think that's even higher than I rated my previous high rating, which was a seven and a half for the autopsy of Jane Doe, unless it was a seven. Anyway, yeah, Quiet Place was one I really liked. In terms of recommending it for people, if you're not in the mood for this kind of movie, it's not going to be your cup of tea. It's not a gore fest. It's not a, a quickly paced movie. It's not even a movie where people make good decisions. How many times have I mentioned that as being something that I hate when people make really stupid decisions? And to be honest, getting pregnant in a world like this is a really stupid decision. But somebody you, brought up the good point is you got you to gotta keep populating. You got to you know find some way to do it. Yeah. But if giving birth to one more baby wipes out your whole family. Then Actually, come, come to think about it, though, like in that situation, because even right now in the world, I have, I'm having a hard time thinking of bringing another kid into the world you know what i'm saying the way the world is now so imagine that i don't think i'd want to bring a kid into that world so there there you go 
It's it's probably the question that most people have when they watch this. It's a, it's a bit of a leap in logic that will probably rub some people the wrong way. But if you go with it and you just say, okay, well, this happened, so how are they going to deal with it? All right, let's uh, let's uh, finish this up. I'm really hot, and it's 9.35, so let's rock. All right. So obviously some difference of opinion here, but that's okay. I'm actually glad that we had something to argue about there, Slicing. Whoa, pal. So does that mean you're not going to see the second one? You have no interest in it now? I don't know. Like, you know what? I had I have the option of going to see it. I have a free movie to go and see in the cinema right now. And I don't think I'd, I, I would have went to see Spiral. I probably would have went to see Mortal Kombat. Conjuring um, 3 is out there I'd too. See th- so that's the third one then, eh? Yep. So if I, if I rip through the Conjuring 1 and 2 again, I could go and see that. So there, if I could get that done in the next couple weeks, I'll try and see The Conjuring in the theater, yes. But not A Quiet Place too. Grave Robber Jeff, are you, would you be interested in seeing the sequel? Oh yeah, I'd want to watch it. And there's actually a third one in pre-production for 2022, is from what I understand. Or 2023, I think. All right. Well, thanks, dudes. That was a nice, uh, nice chat this evening. Anybody have any last-minute uh, words? I'm glad we reviewed this one. I'm glad that we came up with some diverging opinions. So well, no, let's, no. let's hey, keep I'm, that going. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it because, like I say, I've I've heard of it. I just didn't know much about it. So. And you're an Emily Blunt fan, you said. Yeah, I, I do like Emily Blunt, so there you go. All right, gentlemen. Let's call this an episode. Yay! All right, listeners, thanks again for sticking with us. We appreciate you being part of the conversation. We hope you've enjoyed this episode about The Quiet Place about a quiet place. If you would like to get in touch with us and argue with Slice and Dice and Dave about his rating on this movie, for example, or argue with me about my rating on this movie, for example, you can get in touch with us at watchouthorror at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watchouthorror or follow us on Instagram, watchouthorrorcast. Slice and Dice and Dave also has his own Twitter account, which is... Ooh, I don't even. I think it's at Slice and Dice and Dave. So for Slice and Dice and Dave and Grave Robber Robber Jeff, I am Jason the Terrible. So until next time, and there will be a next time, be safe, have fun, treat each other well, and go watch some horror movies. Yeah, I mean, like the suckling and and sewer baby. Oh, that's all I got. Thank you for listening to Watch Out. The opinions you've just heard have been made by three guys from Canada. Please keep this in mind and enjoy responsibly. So you're saying the baby fell in the sewer? No, they flushed it down the toilet, you see. And And then you see it kind of flop down there and... And then a big blob of toxic sludge lands on its face, and then it starts to transform. It's very upsetting. If you're talking about Disturbometer, that would be a... Actually, holy shit, yeah, there's a couple scenes in that movie that would be super disturbing. So how does... I would, I would give it an 8 out of 10 on the Disturbometer. How does, how does a monster costume for a mutated fetus cost $10,000? Oh, it's a wonderful costume. It's a wonderful costume. It must grow to Titanic heights. I just, I just, I just wished like there would have been more like deaths that it produced, but it kind of like, kind of relied on everyone going bananas in there. It was weird. It was an interesting movie. God damn it.
I mean, yay!